This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's O Ship. Today, we're going to mix it up. We've got two guests joining us today, and both are entrepreneurs, both are investors, both have really cool stories to tell. And those stories are highly intertwined. The first up is Nick Davidovs. Nick is a serial founder. He was the co-founder of Cherry Labs, the co-founder of Gagarin Capital Partners, which both specialize in the field of AI. Uh, He was the co-founder of Mesto.co, which is a community with about 23,000 founders helping each other. Uh, He was a founding employer at iTech Capital. And he's probably most recently uh, become a partner in his own venture capital firm, Davidovs Venture Capital. Simultaneously, we've got Marina Davidova, who is the was the founder of VoJournal, a nonprofit for educating kids, the co-founder of SnapCourse, a mobile learning platform. So she's got expertise around uh, learning and e-learning, and is also a partner at Davidoff's Venture Capital. And so today we're going to focus on this concept of family. So when you think about family, families help each other. They're there through thick and thin. They love each other even if they have the odd fight. But at the end of the day, they work together and effectively bonded by a higher purpose. So Nick and Marina are effectively a family of entrepreneurs who have now also ventured into creating their own venture capital firm that's powered by about 75 founders, engineers, operators, VC general partners, and angel investors. But what caught my eye about Nick and Marina is that they also strive to help entrepreneurs. I happen to believe that entrepreneurs are like family as well and that they should try and help each other too. So today we're going to talk about their journey as entrepreneurs, but also why embracing a mindset that helping other entrepreneurs doesn't mean that that other person has to lose so that one person can win. And with that, here we go with another week of O-Ship. Nick Marina, welcome to O-Ship. How are you today? Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely love the intro. <laughs> awesome. I can listen to that on, on loop. I will, I will admit that, that the whistle song will haunt your dreams at night. It's very addictive. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is an earworm, clearly. But I mean, like the, the, whole, the whole intro, just and, and, and like the, the words you said, they resonate deeply with uh, what we feel as a, as a family because uh, uh, entrepreneurs are a family. We are a minority but we affect the lives of the majority. And sometimes it feels that, you know, we are, especially like lately, the media likes to paint a lot of different entrepreneurs as, you know, moguls that just exploit people. I don't know, like, I don't know any entrepreneur who would act like this, honestly. Uh, I've never met one. All of the people I've met are just, you know, trying to create something, sometimes out of their own deep psychological trauma or sometimes because they, you know, <laughs> want to prove something to each other. I mean, well, yeah, like I've never met a psychologically healthy entrepreneur. That is true. I think this is this is an illness. Like this sickness should should be a disability, right? <laughs> but it, it turns into ability to create stuff. I seek out, you know, serial entrepreneurs typically, and that I frequently refer to as serial masochists. So yes, I, I understand uh, exactly yes, what you're talking about. that is so about. true. But you're absolutely right. I think look, entrepreneurs are, and most people start as small business owners. You know, we read about the famous ones, but most of us all started with you, uh, you know, just alone in a, in a room working on something or with one other person. But I want to put a pause on that. I have so much that I want to unpack on the entrepreneurial side. And until today, I never realized that I actually secretly wanted to run a, a dating a dating host or be a host for a dating show. So my opening question of O-Ship today is, our guests have to know, how did you guys meet? <laughs> that is a boring story. I still want to know. Uh, Marina, you want to you tell this? We met in college. Yeah, we met on college, in college on the first day, September 1st. How, how many years ago? 2018 years ago. Four. That's awesome. uh, but maybe we have uh, different views on how the story developed. So maybe not. <laughs> I bet that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, 
was one of the first, you know, first days of September, one of the first student parties where like we are, we're crushing at somebody's apartment. And uh, I think there was a lot of alcohol involved. And I was like, oh, that girl's like super cute. Uh, she's very nice. And like, in a, like maybe like in a few hours of talking to her, we're already making up. And then the next morning, she uh, like not basically nothing else happens. Like the next morning, she tells like, I'm not like this. I cannot, you know, like this is this is this is not who I am. We have to like get to know each other better. Uh, so two years later, we finally started dating. So I, I spent two years of of uh, trying great. to get to her. But uh, later I discovered, or maybe even Marina shared with me, like her notes on her, like in her journal on the first day of, of uh, college. She said like... Um, yeah, it was it was my like diary. I was trying to write like what, what I was feeling. And I wrote here there that like I met this guy. He's, he, he, he looks nice, but unfortunately he's a gamer. And then it's the full stop. And then like, she, she never talked about me again in her diary. It's it. <laughs> if she ever leaves you, I'll be, I'll be your, I'll be your, your hubby. I'm a gamer too. So we can keep each other company. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> too funny. It took me two years to get her. Uh, and, and mostly it was about kind of persuading her that I, I can be relied on. I think this, this is what ultimately became the... Uh, In spite you know, of the fact the that he was still playing video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still playing. Uh, yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, a week ago, I, I took three days off. I, I spent the whole three days playing World of Warcraft again. They released uh, <laughs> Wrath of the Lich King like 15 years ago. So I was like all, all nostalgic. Uh, it, awesome. we have a little chat with, uh, with other dads playing, uh, where we share, you know, like life hacks and tips and how to, you know, yeah. how to stay awake that long in this age, how to like prevent our joints from <laughs> degrading <laughs> like, different, little different yoga tips. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you've obviously, uh, you know, both of you have really outstanding Instagram presences and I was obviously Scope, scoping you out before the, the, today's interview and you've got a really adorable kids can you tell us a little bit about your family as well yeah we have two kids uh sonia she is she is 12 she is almost um in this teenage phase uh and we have five years old son his name is lev they're both super cute they they're very different sonia is super uh, extrovert she's uh, actually i think she has some entrepreneurial mindset so she's already start she starts working she has a, an account on a platform when, where she's teaching other kids english math um, oh. arts something something like this so this this spring she came to me and she told me that she Want a chance to go to the nationals to Los Angeles, but it cost a fortune. I said, okay, looks like like for for your age is optional. I should think about this. And she she came to me with a proposal that she could earn half of the sum by herself by teaching other kids. So she created this profile on the platform. She started awesome. teaching kids, and teaching kids loved her. So she actually she 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 made this promise. She 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 did it, and so she's still working. She made over two thousand bucks this year, like teaching other kids. That's like uh, I mean, like the sum is is pretty pretty big for for a kiddo, uh, and she's she's good at that. I'm Amazing. like I'm super proud how hardworking she is. I remember one day I looked at her schedule. And it was filled like all the way from from like basically eight a.m. when her school starts all the way till nine p.m. No breaks. It's like Zoom calls, Zoom calls, Zoom calls, Zoom calls, Zoom calls. And uh, like she's uh, she's very hardworking. Yeah. So this is this is inspiring very to helpful. see. You know, it makes me feel bad about all the all the tasks I'm procrastinating. <laughs> yeah, but we had a story like talking about entrepreneurship. She she like other entrepreneurs she made her mistakes on the way so first idea came to her that she she wanted to earn her money when she was 10 uh, and that was like in in the middle of the pandemic and she was so it was so boring for her she was sitting she was sitting at home and she didn't know what to do and she came to me and asked mama i want to be an entrepreneur how 
oh, can I earn money? And I'm finalist, did like this. Okay, um, <laughs> I have a bunch of books to show you. I, I, I prepared everything. I, I have at least five books to share, like experiences from uh, other other kids' stories and how to be an entrepreneur when you're a kid. And I said, let's, let's read this. Let's discuss this. Yeah. And I opened the book and we started reading. And right on the first page where there was a story about a kid who was dog working uh, in the neighborhood? She said, "That's it." And I said, "Sonia, please, like, let's, the the whole book is like <laughs> you, we should you should wait. Like, there are a lot of things you should like take into consideration. Just don't like don't don't do it immediately. Listen." And she, "No, no, 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 no. That's perfect for me. I know I will write like the the poster, and that's it." In five minutes, she wrote. Perfect, beautiful poster, and she ran out of the house and she put like these posters around the neighborhood. She came like, home over the neighborhood, and then she comes to me oh. and then there's like, uh, and she she spends like two two or three hours waiting. Then she comes to me, is like dead, 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 dead. Like, can can you watch my phone? Can you watch my phone? Like, I really need to pee. Like, somebody is gonna call me. <laughs> any like, minute, so- any minute, it's coming in. Yeah, no, nobody calling. And I was sitting and I was thinking, uh, like. It, is it, is it, is it like, is it now I should talk to her about like how to do the, like how to try to do the customer discovery, how, how should do the interviews. And she said, now I know everything. That's, that's fine. I, someone should call me in a week when nobody called, she finally came to me and said, what I did wrong. <laughs> and then I finally like started to explain, okay, maybe like people maybe do, maybe someone they didn't see the poster maybe people don't have dogs around maybe they uh to walk their dogs by themselves especially during the pandemic it's only 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 one thing they can do actually so and she said okay but what should i do i said first of all you should go and ask people what they want what they need and what something in the like between what they need and what you want to do but would be something for you and she said, okay, I got it. <laughs> Five minutes, she was on the street and she was talking to neighbors. And uh, in two hours, she had three jobs. First, she was not dog walking, but she was dog sitting because there was like old couple and uh, they have super active dogs and they really need someone to play with, with the dogs, but at home because the dogs were big. Second job, she was watering plants. Yeah, like all of the odd jobs, they're not scalable. So I started talking to her about <laughs> scalability. It's like that she needs to create, you know, anything that can be compound. And uh, uh, turns out this is she's not there yet. She needs to. She needs, you know, like she needs to like step on the mine, uh, you know, get hurt, and 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 then like we'll we'll talk about scalability. But right now she really enjoys people being grateful for what she does. So like, I think, I think like, you know, doing scalable stuff, like writing a book or creating online content is not that, uh, it's not that gratifying for, for her, Uh, maybe at this age, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is who she is, but I mean, like I did the very same mistake three or four times that she did, but that cost me like cost, cost investors, a lot of money called cost, cost us a lot of money. (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, and I'm actually super glad that she's learning this at a very young age, that you cannot, you know, just invent a product that you think is a good one and, and then just like force it upon people. I love that you guys were effectively, you've, so you told her consumer customer research, uh, you told her product market, finding product market fit. And, you know, I, I thought I grew up in an entrepreneurial family as well, where I, you know, I, I feel like I spent most of my childhood being groomed to be an airline CEO of all random things to be groomed for as a kid, uh, which I always thought was really odd. Uh, but now I realize there's an even more intense entrepreneurial training school's parents than even I went to. So I was going to ask you, what's harder, starting a company or or having kids? Because I think a lot of people say that like having starting a company is like is like having a baby, you know. It's like you know, it's like birthing something new into the world. Uh, Both can easily break your heart. Yeah, <laughs> well, but said. you still love them. Yeah, it's a just you know. I mean, like, uh, I think kids are harder because uh, it's a lifelong commitment. And like, what's good about companies and especially venture capital, basically, what venture capital is uh, is is gratifying is that venture capital 
motivates you to move faster, try faster, and fail faster. With kids, it's not an option. You cannot move on to like this kid's done. Let's have another one. <laughs> like, we didn't get good product market fit on this kid. We're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to yeah. move on to another one. <laughs> Absolutely. So <laughs> it's it's a lifelong commitment, and uh, this this is why I think kids are harder than 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 making businesses. That's funny. So uh, you know, I'd love I'd love to kind of get a sense of how you guys manage this in your home. So, for example. I feel like when you think about being a founder, it could be a little bit like all-consuming, basically. Uh, you know, in, in my relationship with my wife, uh, you know, I feel like we have a partnership, but it, it, it's like she, I made it basically a deal with her. She knows I'm a crazy workaholic. And I was like, look, if you just let me just focus on this, nothing else, and then you make sure I don't kill myself in the process, you're an integral part of our business venture. But we're like, she's like the... That, that if we were a race, it's like a race car, it's like the making sure the thing doesn't explode on the road. How do you guys find balance as, as two founders? Because it's, in, it's intense. It's, imagine it's really intense. Like, how do you find that balance in your household, if you don't mind me asking? So when you're working on the same company uh, and you're working on different companies, is is very different. I think, uh, Marie, do you, do you want to answer this? Yeah, I'm, I think what, what Nick is trying to say is that the biggest problem uh, when you're working on the same company and doing the same things is that sometimes there are situations when you both need support. So something, something is something wrong, and uh, when you're coming home, and in usual cases you're you're trying to find the support from from your partner. In this situation, it's, it's not like this. So you're both struggling with what, what is happening at work. And this is like the, the biggest uh, downside of working together. But in terms of balancing, again, that's, you know, what is happening and you know, like you, you can be the support for, for, for kids and for each other. And I, I grew up in a, in a, also an entrepreneurial family and I used to, be at work, uh, uh, my, 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 my father's work a lot. So mm-hmm. I, this is case for us. Kids are often involved in what we are doing. They actually, we, we, we are trying to, to show them that it's so fun uh, to work on something that you are very curious about, that, that's mm-hmm. something you I, love. I think we're, we're failing at this. <laughs> I think we're failing <laughs> at this. Like, they, they, what, what, the whole what, what instability. It's like sometimes it's we have like a lot these. of money. Sometimes we don't have money. Like what, she's, she's she's like she still cannot figure out like why do we like travel first class one day <laughs> and then we travel <laughs> to like, another. Like, life. What is? <laughs> no, I don't then, agree uh, here because I I I I I watched my father and uh, the only one thing that I I was saying I I I was thinking that I've never never been entrepreneurial. And entrepreneur myself, I just uh, I really want my like simple work, working on for for some like corporation, and that's it. And time pass. <laughs> Here I am uh, doing like some entrepreneurial things. I think it's like maybe now she feels like this, but when she she uh, oh, that makes she, sense. she yeah. grows so. up, it it will be better. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe when she is, uh, when maybe when she uh, comes of age. Uh, I don't know if it, if it's a thing coming of age to become an entrepreneur. I've I've met some amazing fifteen-year-old entrepreneurs. There's Marina was actually running like a school for uh, kids who wanted to to be entrepreneurs uh, with uh, her partners. So and they have uh, like a bunch of teenagers coming in and learning like about you know how to how to look for a product market fit, how to prototype, how to fail faster. And some of them have actually made businesses. Like I, I legit have like a, like a collection of socks. Uh, it's a it's a company called I think Single Socks. So it's a girl mm-hmm. who's like thirteen or fourteen, and she no, she, she makes was single socks. Nine. She, she was, was nine. nine it's crazy. Time. Yes, she's nine. So <laughs> like she 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 moved a lot of people. She has a large team working for her now. She's the CEO. Um, her parents are very supportive Amazing. and she makes single socks, like single socks. All of them are different. Everyone's like a piece of art. The idea is that if you lose one, not big Doesn't deal. Matter. They're all single. right? So yeah. And, and, and this is such a great present. I mean, like I gave, 
like we gave maybe like 20 boxes of this socks last Christmas just because it's like That's a no awesome. brainer. It's cheap, it's fun, and it's <laughs> like you're supporting a nine year old entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think, uh, yeah. You want to talk about the courage to get out there. Uh, I mean, that's that's amazing. And, and talk about creative. I have to do a little research on this because I, I just threw out about seven years of accumulated socks and started over because I was so frustrated with my single sock situation <laughs> and not my design. <laughs> hey, so you know, I want to jump subjects a little bit. So, uh, Nick, uh, you were the co-founder of uh, a group called uh, Mesto or Mesto.co. I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing it right. And that basically it seems like this kind of concept of building uh, communities of entrepreneurs is something you're passion about for a long time can you can you tell us a little bit more about about mesto it actually like like a lot of good things it 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 came to life uh by an accident just uh i, I gave an interview to a super famous youtuber uh is is like one of the biggest youtubers in russia who made the documentary like three hour long boring documentary about russians in silicon valley that somehow uh came out I did watch that, actually <laughs> yeah well this is uh, like some almost fifty anyway. million views. Yeah, that is that is pretty yeah. crazy. So fifty million views yeah. on YouTube in Russian. So a lot of people watched it with English subtitles, and it moved a lot of people. And it yeah. uh, it definitely inspired a lot of people to become entrepreneurs. So for some time after it got out, my my social networks were pretty much under siege. Uh, I would I would get like three four thousand messages a day. So uh, me and my assistant we spent like 24-7 trying to answer those. And what wow. uh, what came as a surprise, which was relatively logical, that as soon as we answer 3,000, the next day in the new 3,000 arrive and the, the, the people whom we started talking to answer back. So we now are dealing with 6,000 people. And uh, the problem was <laughs> that everybody wanted something from, from me. Uh, and from the, so there was another guy on the show, like who, who was also featured, Andrei Dodonichev, who is also a repeat founder, is uh, like fifth, uh, Googler who spent like 10 or 15 years at Google. Now he's uh, onto his next big thing where investors there are super happy to be. So he, he was experiencing the very same problem. So he wrote a post on Instagram saying, hey, guys, I don't think any of you actually need me. Like I cannot really help you, but I think you need each other. So why don't you, you know, like, post your, you know, your ideas, your business ideas and questions as comments, and other people might, you know, start answering them. So his, his post becomes big. I call him yeah. or he calls me, I don't remember. It's like, we have to turn this into something. And uh, we just, we're just like, okay, so let's make it, uh, let's make a promise that is going to be a nonprofit. We're not going to make money on this. And we're not yeah. going to let anyone really make money on this because entrepreneurs are, you know, like an oppressed minority. Uh, yeah. And uh, a lot of, uh, so we wanted to focus on Russian speaking entrepreneurs because uh, yeah. there are very, very few of Russian speaking entrepreneurs for 80 something years of the Soviet Union. Being an entrepreneur was like being a thug. So the hmm. general, so, so here in the States, everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people think that entrepreneurs are heroes in a sort, like, cause we create jobs, we pay a lot of taxes, we create opportunities for other people. We, you know, push the economy forward, push the humanity forward. In the Soviet Union, like we were criminals, right? So like, if you make money on other people, you're basically exploiting people, it's, this is like Ooh. this is why the narrative that you know like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or you know moguls exploiting other people for profit uh, mm -hmm. it it just like it triggers my PTSD because like I heard that a lot when I was a kid <laughs> growing mm -hmm. like in, in, in the Soviet Union and like post Soviet mm -hmm. uh, environment so we wanted to mm -hmm. focus on helping Russian speaking entrepreneurs basically learn what entrepreneurship what proper entrepreneurship is like that it's it's not a craft uh it's um it can uh, like it i mean like it's not an art it's a craft so it can be learned yeah. you can you can you can do this scientifically uh and you can support each other and basically the best like out of my experience out of marina's experience the best uh working network uh for us has always been founders so it's like every vc would you know be happy to get to know other vcs but like this, this is not a very usable network. You cannot really create, you know, new opportunities out of this or create a lot of value. But speaking, like connecting with other entrepreneurs 
has tremendous value. You help them solve problems that you had recently or uh, some time ago. They help you. Uh, they connect you to you know people you can hire. They connect you to people you can you can raise from. They connect you to people you can sell to, and uh, they're also. They're, they walked in your shoes, you walked in their shoes. So mm-hmm. this is this is mutual feeling of support. It's very important. So we wanted to create this, and and like we started with a with a small group of people. So it was invite only, uh, and mm-hmm. we were manually vetting all these people. Our only like criteria for that was culture. We wanted to create mm-hmm. this culture that Silicon Valley boasts of, like, but we wanted it in a Russian speaking community. And then, like, as it started to grow, uh, some it, it, it at some point it, it has become an avalanche, and it was a it was a big mistake to basically uh, yeah. let it scale so quickly. But it somehow works even now, two and a half years later. Has even though there's like war and a lot of people have moved, like basically half more than half of the community is now overseas. Mm. So they they escaped from from Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. They like yeah. the three biggest countries we had. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there is not only like Russian speaking communities now, like we, we, we call it like Russian, Ukrainian and Belarusian speaking community. So we separate this mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, not to hurt anybody's feelings, mm-hmm. but it still is supportive and it has transformed. It has enabled another business. So one of our uh, advisory board members, Mikita Mikada, he's the founder of a unicorn company here in Silicon Valley. He's called like the first unicorn in exile. Uh, it's called Pandadoc. So they're they're competing with DocuSign, but make it like way cooler. They're uh, they're they're like 1.5 bill valuation right now. So he's spending most of his free time on this big project that he calls Masto on the map. So Masto is basically translated from Russian as the place. So I wanted to create like a place for for founders to you know meet other founders, like you know share ideas, share share life hacks. Mm-hmm. So the place on a map is basically putting this on a map in a physical space. So he started like a semi nonprofit, just like cap profit uh, project with a chain of co-working spaces and co-living spaces for fresh immigrants. So right mm-hmm. now, as of now, they have a location in Cyprus. They have a location in Armenia. They have a location in Turkey. They have a location in Bali. Uh, they're opening a bunch of new ones in, uh, in Europe. So they're looking for a local Russian speaking founder. Who is uh, who wants to start like a like this business, uh, and they let the founder to actually profit from this. They let it to be a business. So the the, the organization's not making profit, but the the founders are, and uh, and they're sometimes financing it. Sometimes they find like a local financing source, and they make sure that this little co living space becomes a part of the chain, the whole network. So everybody who lives in Armenia is still connected to everybody who lives in Bosnia and who lives in like uh, Poland now. That's amazing. I, I, there's so much to unpack from this. Uh, at some point, I want to go back and talk about you know kind of capped revenue, or fair capitalism, or the collective model. I think there's a lot, a lot to talk about that. But let's put a pin in that one temporarily. I want to lean into the community aspect of it for a moment, and I, w- I wasn't expecting to go here, but I think this is so interesting. I got people chiming in from all over the world. We had someone just uh, comment a moment ago in from Sweden as well, and we're looking at comments coming in through the live chat. You know, how do you? It's obviously a very you know wacky world we're living in right now. You mentioned how the, you guys have made a point of kind of uh, noting the Belarusian and Ukrainian and you know Russian communities there. How's the we basically the war in Ukraine impacted the community, and how have you guys tried you know to kind of manage that? I'm sure it creates you know strain tensions in a group that fundamentally at its core, I think, wants to help each other be successful. I'm sure that's created an, an interesting community management challenge for you. So there's actually surprising how this, uh, so all of all of the Ukrainians, Ukrainian fathers we know, uh, they are obviously very, very motivated. They're all, uh, you know, helping to support their country. And uh, like a friend of mine in his, like, he comes home from work and he builds drones for um uh, which is like ukrainian uh spec ops for using drones you know yeah. for surveillance and he sends them to ukraine so a lot of them are you know uh lobbying for you know uh putting more sanction pressure on russian oligarchs and uh i was surprised that uh actually 
most of the Russian-speaking founders we know are very still very connected to the Ukrainian-speaking founders. So we are still one big family. And, uh, you know, there, there was maybe some tension in the beginning, but then, like, everybody figured that we're kind of on the same side. Uh, I mean, like, we're, we're not, on the, you know, we're not equally in trouble. I'm like, yes, we cannot go back to our country. We'll probably get prosecuted, probably get in jail. Uh, or get drafted into the army and, you know, like uh, pushed in, sent to, sent to Ukraine. But like, at least our relatives are not being bombed every day. And uh, mm -hmm. this, this, this creates this, this big difference. So basically we cannot really relate to what, what is happening to them. Uh, but I, like, I'm still getting lots of support from my Ukrainian friends, like in, in business projects. Uh, we do a lot of stuff together. So This is this is a very very big tragedy. Uh, I mean, like for mm. the whole world, not just you know for the region, mm. because it's gonna send shockwaves in, in in history for decades, if not centuries. Yeah, it has traumatized yeah. about a hundred million people so far, deeply, yeah. and this this will yeah. uh, this will have you know this effect sadly. Yeah, global repercussions for a long time. So, uh, jumping jumping subjects. I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurial mindset for a minute. So, uh, you know, one of the things you kind of alluded to earlier was this idea of just how differently people look at entrepreneurs in, in Russia. And I, you know, I, I'm English originally, but I've lived in the U.S. most of my life. And we've even been talking about the future of Camille Collective and how we think about that with about 15% of our business in Europe. And one of the more recent conversations we've been having is like you know, Chameleon Collective by its core is 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 like a collective of entrepreneurs that have kind of unified into one hive mind and effectively operate as one company. Uh, but the, the entrepreneurial part is like is a core part of that DNA. And we realized that in Europe that you know, the entrepreneurial uh, aspect of like it's just not it's just not as common. You, it's easy if you live in America, or especially if you're an American born here, like. The, the, the American dream, like the concept of entrepreneurship is so built into the DNA of this of this country. And I'd just like to get a little more insight on, on just kind of, I think we've covered the, the Russian uh, side of it, but you know, do you have, a, what's your, what's, uh, your pr perspective, uh, Marina, on like, uh, on, uh, uh, on, on kind of like understanding how people from different parts of the world to kind of approach the entrepreneurial mindset? Uh, it's actually a super, super interesting uh, topic. As uh, When I did my master's degree in the University of Edinburgh, we both, me and Nick, we studied in, in Scotland. Uh, cool. So I did my master's degree on how actually culture, different culture affects your uh, work attitude. So, and even there, I've seen that even if people like all over the world, they were doing like uh, some entrepreneurial stuff they they could do it differently because like cultural aspect influence a lot but even in the soviet union i see I, i i could reflect on my father's experience he was like he had this dna in in his course like psychology so he, even when he was a child he was creating something he was uh, super entrepreneurial he always had a lot of ideas how when he saw something is not working he was thinking that not not that this is not working he was thinking how he could change it to work how how could to change it to make it better so i think that's uh, this is could be common for people all over the world doesn't matter where, where they were born But the context and environment can push it better. So in, in what we've seen in Silicon Valley, that failure is not a problem. Failure is the way, the path to learn and to, to do it better. Uh, in a lot of cultures, it's, it's not the same. Failure is like huge responsibility and like... It's like a stain on your reputation that you cannot walk. Yeah, it's like, like, you know, like super, super... super difficult to recover from it but what, what what i see from my experience working with teenagers from kids i was uh super surprised how these like 12 14 15 16 years old 
because of the gadget, because of the access to the internet, the global internet, they don't see these boundaries anymore. They could learn from mm. examples from all over the world, even if they like in small town in Russia or Ukraine or like Kazakhstan. We, we had a lot of kids from Kazakhstan. They mm. learn from experiences from 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 biggest like uh, entrepreneurs. And they're motivated by them and they really want to change this world by creating and, and, and they feel that they could, could do this because like they, 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 they see a lot of examples and because they don't, they, they don't have this attitude that like people are too far away. They, they cannot like reach anyone because of the internet. They can write anyone, probably someone answer, could, could answer them. It sounds like almost all of them messaged Nick's Instagram at one point with <laughs> the 4,000 messages a day. <laughs> that's true, yeah. but, but, but Nick answers to some of them, and yeah. th- that's huge because I'm, I'm still, like, uh, sometimes thinking, oh, I cannot, like, I cannot write, in, like, this, this person. I, I don't know him in person, so that's, uh, I cannot do this. For them, it's not like this. For them, like, work is super close. Yeah, with enough guidance, this 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 new generation uh, everywhere in the world will hopefully change our planet. I love that. One of my favorite things about working with young people is that I feel like the more you go work in a traditional environment, the more someone's you know wagged their finger at you and said something you said was stupid, or they made you embarrassed for sharing an idea in a meeting, or you know, and and so you build this like. You know, this, this like, well, I'm not going to speak up next time because I don't want to be shamed by someone in a group setting or whatever. And and there's this like amazing like bliss. And, and I mean, this is a good way to be clear, but like a bliss and ignorance with your kid where it's like you're a young person or just working with people at the beginnings of their career and they don't even have to be kids with it. It's like, I have this idea. Blah, and it's like, yeah, spit it out. Get it out there. That's how I think these, that's how I think great things are made by just getting these ideas and sharing them and and to your point, you know, reaching out to influencers and, uh, you know, entrepreneurs uh, who have social profiles because they've never been rejected. So like, yeah, I'm just going to mess with them. You know, it's amazing. Alone, those people will respond a lot of time, especially, frankly, when you're a young person and they're looking for advice. I'll take, I don't I know, and not to make my inbox any worse than it is, but like any young person that's ever trying to figure out their career, I almost always take a, a quick meeting with someone and talk to them about it. I may not do a lot of them, but I'll... But I'll but uh, yeah, if I can try and help, I think it's it's a good way to, to try and in, influence people, the world in, in a positive way. So that's a good segue. We're gonna we're gonna jump subjects for a second. I want to talk about just being conscious of time. I want to talk about David Dobbs Venture Capital. So you know, you're both both entrepreneurs. Now you're both venture capitalists. You've gone out and started a fund using AngelList, a rolling fund on AngelList, which I, I think is such an amazing and awesome innovation. On a side note. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about you know what that looks like today, and maybe maybe start with you, Nick? Yeah, sure. So it all started with a, basically I was in that point in time where I um, exited from my previous fund. So my, my partner bought me out. We we could not agree uh, on like where to take our fund next. So like we we had like a a, lore, a long 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 like argument over six months, and then basically I, oh. I uh, offered him to buy him out. Uh, you know, like it, it, there's, I don't know, it's like if we're talking about failures, you know, I, I, I w- w- wanted to make, maybe touch this a little bit. I don't know any successful company that did not have, you know, like a co-founder misunderstanding or like an argument or even a fight or maybe like, you know, an actual fight with uh, with bloodshed uh, where mm-hmm. people, you know, lost stuff. Uh, but with, uh, so so that was, uh, that, w- that was an uh, instance where it was very, very civil. So we're basically two grown-ups talking like over some time like disagreeing and then he bought me out ultimately so i i let go gagarin was my baby so i was uh, uh it was a little hard for me emotionally but like i was in the space where i had enough money for maybe like four or five years in silicon valley without having to work and i was uh thinking that i have to do something that i would be ashamed of not trying when i'm gonna grow old uh something very risky so my first thoughts were about you know space because I'm 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 a space maniac uh, nerd uh, and uh, I can probably tell by like my background I have a lot of space related mm-hmm. stuff uh, and it's just part of it 
and then immediately I, f- I figured out that I have to I have to do something that like I can have a real impact on. And I was thinking, okay, so what? How's the world going to look in in thirty, forty years? I'm a big believer in universal basic income. I think that in thirty, forty years, uh, all of the robotic advancements, all of the all of the tech we're creating, will uh, ultimately improve labor productivity so much that we will create enough value to feed the world 15 plus 20 i don't know how many people there are going to be but there's uh there's going to be a point where where's we going to generate enough value probably not enough if we continue in in a market economy because like in the market economy a lot of uh resources are wasted on uh, basically competition with each other so mm-hmm. if we say let's say the robotics like all of the all of this stuff that is generated that is participating in the universal basic income that can be planned economy, you know, like in the Marxist Leninist stuff. Uh, I uh, it, was, it was hard for, for me to understand that as because uh, I was, you know, I grew up with thinking that planned economy is a bad thing, like it didn't work. Turns out it it can work if there's one hundred percent data transparency and if it's not managed mm-hmm. by a person. So if we have like an AI manage the economy of robots, that generate value and be something, something uncorruptible basically you're arguing something that doesn't crave power or self-serving yeah it's it's not it's not just about power i mm-hmm. mean like people are just stupid and they don't have enough information they cannot yeah. input that much information about the whole economy to make you know good judgments on what to create one and so we use the evolutionary system for this the market economy is the evolutionary system uh, robots can actually like run the iterations and simulate a lot of stuff and you know like it's just a Sheer brain power is, is is in a whole different yeah. scale. So what? Uh, but but then, like what what uh, the planned economy lacks is innovation, and also people who don't want to just you know leave their average life for universal basic income. They obviously want to create something. There's going to be a lot more entrepreneurs. So uh, the best will create innovation. So far, in the last like if we look back in history, there's nothing even closely compared to venture capital. Venture capital is the single best way to fuel innovation as, and, and support people creating support support entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because even like based on game theory it's uh, it, it's it's uh, long-term oriented and it's um, it's really effective so I think there's going to be another economy on top of the planned economy that's going to still going to be market capitalist economy operating as a VC world so but then we need to have pretty much Every second, or maybe every human, participate in the venture capital. How do we do this? Mm-hmm. The biggest bottleneck I see right now in venture capital is, and a lot of people speak about it from terms of like from the viewpoint of diversity, because it's like a bunch of old white men on Sand Hill Road, like you know, mm-hmm. uh, deciding the fates of the world. Uh, but it's for me, it's not just that. I mean, like it, there, it's probably these men and women. A lot of them are women and non-white, not enough, but like still a lot, Uh, there cannot be scaled. The the biggest problem, they're not scalable. You cannot replicate uh, Peter Thiel. You cannot replicate Yura Milner. Uh, But what we can do, we can find maybe 10 people who have different expert, like areas of expertise that if added to each other, it's going to be like more Mm. than Yura Milner has uh, or more than Peter Thiel has. So people yeah. can work together in a community. And then there's, okay, I'm thinking, okay, how do, we, how do we create this? How do we make tools for people to work together and become like venture capital partners? Uh, mm-hmm. So any community, and this is what we learned from Masto, every community to function basically needs to increase the number of transactions members of the community make with each other. So like knowledge transfer is also a transaction or like, you know, uh, working together on a deal or sharing a deal is also a transaction. We need to maximize the number of transactions. There are two types of transaction costs in a community. First is uh, lack of trust is a transaction cost. So if I don't trust you, I won't, you know, be super open. So I'll be still holding back some, some of the stuff. The second is just, you know, work. I mean, like procedural hardship because, you know, adding value to startups is, is a lot of work. I mean, like you to go talk to people, you have to make double opt intro. Like a single du- double opt intro takes like forty minutes to oh. make pro- in the proper way, right? So that's that's a big, that's a that's a big bottleneck. So I was like, okay, we gotta create a community in which we're gonna solve the lack of trust by basically building horizontal links between 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 people and creating relationships, and then we're gonna create enough tools to have mm-hmm. them. So this. 
and we started with a very centralized form of this. So ultimately, this is going to be a descent. And the, 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 the fun thing is that even the name reflects. So the name is DVC, Davidov's Venture Capital. But it also transforms into Deconstructed Venture Collective and then this decentralized value-added community. So the same, the same, the same letters. Uh, so we started with for the very centralized thing. And on purpose, we even named it with our last name just to, to show how much it's centralized because we are the only two partners. But we already have yeah. 75 members of the community who are investors in the fund and who actively participate in helping us run it. Uh, we have uh, a few people who are already like deal captains, so they bring in new deals. They're, uh, they're, becoming, they're going to become venture partners in, 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 in no time. There's, uh, there are already people who act as deal advisors, so they help portfolio companies, and everybody's receiving like a little bit of carried interest for these deals, so they're remunerated. And uh, ultimately, this one, I want this to be a system where it can be like a weekend VC uh, ideal for people who want to ev- either break into VC and like make it their like career or or retirement. I, I know a lot of people who have fun being uh, retired and doing venture capital, uh, or uh, or actually be like just a side hustle for somebody who wants to, you know, get more network, better knowledge for their main jobs. Uh, I love it, and so it's funny. You know, we we uh, we obviously just just met today and. Uh, you know, this, this collective mindset is something I'm extremely passionate about. In fact, I just recently started uh, writing a book called Collective Capitalism. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to geek out on this with you some more another time. And it sounds like video games. But uh, I, I just kind of a, a final thought. Uh, Marina, I'd love to um, I keep butchering your name. Apologies. Uh, the, uh, but next, I'd like to kind of give the uh, last major question for today. You know, you, you've run DVC in a kind of a collective mindset. And I'd love to kind of understand from the from the way that you guys are operating that like how, how you know how is that that's quite different from i think how a lot of kind of traditional vcs run i'd love to get your kind of point of view on on you know what it's like to run a vc with a collective mindset if that makes sense yeah uh so i i think i'm a little more like practical <laughs> approach than nick and uh we already discussed that like why we were working together and we, we, we were doing projects since since the university the first project was uh, was, was in university we, we could do this because we have like in complementary goods we, our uh, our skills are complementary so um, mm-hmm. strongest I, I like strongest Nick skills and my my like skills are not the same as Nick's but it's it's the same that we, we we do in DVC, and it help us to uh, to see the things from different angles. But even because of these complementary skills, we still lacks lacks a lot of expertise. That's why, uh, based on our experience uh, building community things, community power for us, and uh, that that that's that that's why we are building it. And as Nick mentioned again, it's. Uh, Trust and transparency uh, are much more cost-effective in terms of transactions. Mm. So, yeah, for, for for me, because I'm uh, responsible for building processes and for, for building product as, uh, based on community, the biggest challenge is to make to engage people in doing this. So mm. uh, and and. And, and to make it work, and um, we were happy. And, and uh, as as in, in uh, any startups uh, with any product, we had we have the same re- re- really the same metrics. So we, we we see the churn rate, we see how people are engaged with our community and with our VC. And um, I'm super happy that uh, I, I could see based on this metric that we are doing something right. <laughs> That's awesome. I, from my from my experience, uh, er- everything has to do with how you recruit, and then a collective mindset. Culture. Everyone says culture is important, but the culture is absolutely, unquestionably, the most important part to finding people that can operate in a collective mindset because they have to have a a mindset of we uh, versus a mindset of me, 
And I think that's uh, that's a you know, tricky tricky thing to find. I, I need to be conscious of time today, so I'm going to use it. I think this is a great jumping off point. I think you guys are fascinating. I, I'm actually already daydreaming about future chats uh, with you. But in the meantime, I really want to make sure that uh, anyone who's been watching live or listening or watching after the show has an ability to, to follow up and catch up with you. So, you know, if, they, if, they, if people want to learn more about you, what, what should they be thinking about? To start with you first, uh, Marina, what, what, if, what, you know, if someone wants to learn more about you or follow you, what's the, what's the best places for them to be thinking about doing that? I think for both both of ours, Instagram is uh, the, the biggest channel for communication. Mm-hmm. Nick is uh, Anne Davidov. I'm MS uh, Davidova. Uh, but to be honest, we are thinking about starting a um, YouTube, uh, YouTube channel where we are We'll show how things are going on in in our. Yeah, there's uh, a, there's fund, actually how... uh, there are two episodes live. Uh, you come come check it out. Yeah. It's uh, it's called Deconstructed oh, VC. Yeah, so we it's okay. a, it's just a it's a, it's a pod, video podcast where we chat about you know the news and we try to uh, take you know sophisticated uh, complex issues of like you know uh, China replacing their judges with AI and talk about it and pretty much try to unpack it. Love that. Okay, that's awesome. Great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll send out a link for that as well. And I just want to thank you both for for joining today. It was really fun. It was my first kind of like entrepreneur. If I had some Venn diagram, like entrepreneur, investors, and family all in one, and I doubt I, I will uh, I will get another chance to do that anytime in their future. And uh, I suspect I may have made two new friends today as well, which is always a nice way to end the show. So. Um, thank, thank yeah, you, thank I'm you. I'm looking thank forward you. to chat because, uh, like, really, really <laughs> want to learn uh, more about what your plans with uh, with the collective uh, model. I, I, would, I would love that, and thank, and thank you again. Stick around, everyone who's listened in today. Thank you again for watching our ship. Thank you for subscribing. The best thing you can do to support us is give us a like, share us with your friends, leave a comment, and just show uh, show us you're there and, and you're part of our community. Thank you again, Nick, Marina. Have a great day. The O Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sails for the O Ship Show.